Welcome to the next edition of Fixed Interest, where we are going to be discussing Colombia. My name is Shelley Shetty, and I'm the co-head of the Americas. I'm happy to be joined by Richard Francis, Director in the Sovereign Team, and the Primary Analyst for Colombia. Colombia is rated triple B with stable outlook, and we affirmed the rating in mid-November of last year. Colombia continues to be in the news due to its fiscal and growth challenges, and a new government that is trying to tackle some of these issues most recently through tax measures that were passed by the Duque administration last December. So Richard, maybe we can start by the tax measures that were passed last December as part of the financing law. How does that affect Colombia's fiscal outlook and its sovereign ratings? Overall, what are the fiscal challenges that you see ahead for Colombia? The original tax measures of the government were to yield 1.4% of GDP. The Congress, however, did not pass VAT measures which would have extended the base of the VAT, and therefore the government's original proposal was watered down pretty majorly by almost half. So basically the government's going to get a, about a 0.7% of GDP in extra revenues, which will help them meet their 2.4% of GDP fiscal target under the fiscal rule. The fiscal rule calls for a reduction of the fiscal deficit from 3.1% last year to 2.4% this year. So the additional taxes that they'll collect will help them meet the target. The, the problem comes more in 2020 because the tax reform also included reductions in the corporate tax rates as well as other incentives for the, the corporate sector. And that will actually mean a reduction in revenues in 2020 when the corporate taxes are due. So the, the real issue seems to be more 2020 now and the 2019 fiscal deficit looks achievable. It's not going to be easy, but it looks achievable. Given that you're saying that 2020 might be an issue in terms of achieving the fiscal deficit target, what are the options for the government to try to comply with the fiscal rule and reach its target in 2020? Well, it looks like right now the, the government's strategy is probably going to be uh, selling assets. And the biggest asset that they have that they can sell is, is um, equity stake in, in Equipetrol, the, the state-owned uh, oil uh, and gas company. That could yield the additional revenues that they're losing from the corporate tax cuts. However, obviously they can't sell assets forever, so it would be kind of a one-off or maybe a two-off if they do it a couple of years. Um, but eventually, in order to keep the fiscal deficit you know, around 2% of GDP, they're going to need to do some kind of tax reform again because there's really little limited space that they can do in terms of spending cuts. So we're, we need, they, they're going to need to do a tax reform at some point, maybe not in the next two years. Let's move to the other challenge that Colombia faces in terms of growth. Uh, growth has been sluggish in recent years. We've seen some good outturn in 2018. How are you seeing the overall growth picture? What are going to be the drivers ahead? And what are the challenges for Colombia's growth ahead? The, the numbers for 2018 were actually pretty positive in terms of the outturn. Both consumption and investment uh, rose pretty significantly last year, which is a good sign because the prior you know, two years were, were, were quite low. They actually revised down the 2017 number to 1.4%, so quite low growth you know, for a number of years. And they got very hard hit by the, the fall in the oil price. But it seems like they're starting to recover. Public investment associated with the, the 4G infrastructure project seems to be picking up slowly, not as fast as the government wants. Uh, there's additional investment in, in Ecopatrol, um, and that's going to carry on to this year as well. And as I mentioned, consumption also seems to be picking up quite strongly. 
which on one hand is, is negative in terms of there's also been a very large increase in, in imports as well. But it seems like the growth is picking up, and I think the 3.3% growth projection that we have this year looks a little bit more solid than we were thinking even just a few months ago. Maybe let's talk a little bit more about Equimetrol since you just mentioned that uh, in our discussion. Can you give us some additional color on the broader performance of the oil sector and Equipetrol? Uh, what are the challenges ahead for the oil sector in Colombia? And how do you see the oil sector contributing towards overall government finances in the future? Yeah, I mean, I think the story with Equipetrol has actually been relatively positive as well. You know, they again, they took a very big hit with the, the fall in the oil price. But the, they had a change in management and were able to sharply reduce their, their costs and increase the profitability. In fact, they've also, last year, were able to pay some of their external debt early. And, and the, the numbers for Equipetrol actually just came out, and the, uh, the profitability was the highest in, in a few years, even though the oil price is lower. As I mentioned, they paid off some of their external debt early, so their, their debt ratios look better as well. And over the course of last year, actually, oil production actually increased from about 700 million barrels at the beginning of the year to 730 million. I mean, 1,000 barrels at, at the end of the year. So the trend in, in the production has been in relatively positive as well. And the company announced that they were able to uh, more than fully replenish their reserve levels last year, which is positive. I think on the negative side, I think the one key area that Echo Patrol still has is they haven't made a very large, significant find in terms of areas for production. And therefore, they only have seven years of reserves, basically. So that's a key area that they still have challenges, and I think that's the major challenge that Echo Patrol has. In terms of the government finances, obviously, with the, the increase of profitability, somewhat better average oil price last year, um, the outlook, at least in the near term, is, qu is quite good for the government's finances. They're expecting a 60% of, of profit dividend yield, and then on top of that, they're going to, to get an extraordinary dividend from Equipetrol. So the, the government's uh, take will, will actually be quite good this year. And at the same time, I mean, I think I mentioned before, Equipetrol is going to increase their investment spending uh, by 25% this year. So th that looks pretty good, at least in the near term, for Equipetrol. The challenges, I think, are more in the medium term and where they're going to, if they can find uh, major new discoveries, basically. So now let's move to the reform agenda. Uh, what are the key remaining legislative items on President Duque's agenda, and how feasible do you think these reforms will be? Well, I think the uh, reform agenda has, has basically stalled in terms of the econ economic reform agenda. I think the, the government spent a lot of its political capital trying to get the tax reform or the financing law, they call it, uh, passed last year, and they had problems even within their own Centro Demo Democratico Party to get a key part of that reform, which was the expansion of the VAT base. So I think the reform agenda this year is pretty much stalled, and I, one of the key agenda items is pension reform. The government has put the proposals to a commission, and I guess they will make a recommendation sometime this year, and that means maybe pension reform could um, take place in, in 2020. The other issue is they have local and regional elections in October, and I think they want to try to avoid doing anything controversial ahead of those local elections, so, so no reform this year. 
So let's switch gears from uh, fiscal and reform agenda and let's talk a little bit about external accounts. How comfortable are you right now in terms of the dynamics that you see in external accounts? External debt burden has risen in recent years. Do you expect it to decline going forward? Uh, this has been a source for, uh, of concern for us previously. So how do you see the external performance for Colombia going forward? I think this is an issue where the, the, the trend has actually been somewhat negative last year. Um, the current account deficit rose from 3.3% of GDP in, in 2017 to 3.8% of GDP last year, So, and mainly because of an increase in imports. Uh, that goes hand in hand with some higher economic growth, but in terms of the external accounts, I think it's it's somewhat negative. As you mentioned, the, we were seeing uh, net external debt actually begin to fall in Colombia. I think that trend is probably not likely to continue. If anything, it's going to stay steady, if not increase uh, marginally, and and it is somewhat above the triple B median. So I think this is a key area of uh, that we need to pay attention to. And if the current account continues to rise and external debt starts to rise, it could have a negative impact on the on the rating eventually. Before ending, one last topic uh, to be discussed, and that's about Venezuela's impact on uh, Colombia's fiscal and uh, growth outlook. We obviously know that the situation in Venezuela remains quite fluid, uh, so we're not asking you to predict what will happen in Venezuela. But on the other hand, you know, what do you think will be the impact on Colombia should the status quo remain? or if there is political transition in Venezuela? Yeah, the, the situation in Venezuela is, is quite obviously very fluid. Uh, we don't know what the outcome is going to be. I guess the hope is there will be a transition in, in the government soon, but if it doesn't happen, I think it will negatively impact Colombia because you know the, the Minister of Finance has come out and said that the, the cost of health care, education, etc., for the the massive immigration that they've had from Venezuela is, is up to 0.5% of GDP. As the crisis gets worse, it seems like there's there's more migration coming from Venezuela into Colombia, so that, that number could be even higher. The government, they have a fiscal council, which actually comes up with the fiscal uh, targets according to the fiscal rule. As I mentioned, the, the target this year is 2.4% of GDP. But the government has mentioned that the, the fiscal council should take into consideration these additional costs. So there is a risk that the, uh, the, the fiscal target could be moved. It should come out in May of this year, and it could be, you know, it could be higher than the 2.4%. And again, the, that would have a negative impact on the, the debt-to-GDP trajectory. Right now, if they are able to meet the target, it seems that they would be stabilizing the debt. If they don't have the 2.4 percent of GDP target, it's higher. For whatever reason, the, the debt dynamics will be somewhat more adverse. On the positive side, if there is a change in Venezuela, we could see pretty positive impact on Colombia. First of all, a lot of the humanitarian aid will likely go through Colombia to Venezuela, which will boost GDP growth in, in Colombia. But over the longer term, if you remember that the Colombians were exporting a lot of goods to Venezuela, that those exports have gone to almost zero. So if the Venezuelan economy turn, starts to turn around, Colombia would be a big beneficiary first through the export sector. So it could be quite positive for, for Colombia. So it could go one way or the other way. We'll see what happens. Thanks a lot, Richard, for your credit insights. Uh, thank you all for listening. And for more information on Colombia, please access research on FitchRatings.com.